Listener discretion is advised. Should we do another shot real sure. quick? Is it too late? No. everyone welcome back to the i should totally be dead right now podcast where we tell true stories of survivors of true crime natural disasters and everything else in between so hey michelle happy easter it's happy our easter. easter episode yeah easter is tomorrow well it was yesterday when we post this what the fuck ever okay. Kaylin? <laughs> no i'm just kidding no i'm sad because we usually have like a giant easter egg hunt for right. adults and kids and have like 80 people over and now yeah. no one's coming over that's sad. No one. I know. I'm not even going to hide eggs or anything. How are you doing quarantined right now? Uh, actually, I'm living the dream. I fucking love everything <laughs> about it. <laughs> if It's all I needed to just never leave the house. Yeah. I have not left the house in, I think, five or six weeks or something. Day. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. I got my sourdough starter fucking on point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I meant to bake you some bread and bring yes. it. I'll mail you some. It'll get okay. there in a day. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's super close. Because Nick and I moved, so we moved even closer. A little new location. Yeah. Our new recording location with lots of cars going by. Yeah. Apologize the cars. We need to figure out the setup for that. What we should do is have like a drinking game where we just take a shot every single time. A shot? No, we'd be so drunk. Yeah, that would be... It's like every Ugh. 10 seconds. So apologies. <laughs> just ahead of time. Yeah. I'll try... You know, noise reduction. We're not doing jack shit. Just continue on. Um, Oh, good Lord. So the drink was inspired by Easter. Yeah, we tried to do these delightful looking Cadbury cream eggs. Yeah. Which I love Cadbury cream eggs. Mm -hmm. I think I expressed that to you before and I'm just going to express it again. I just love them. They're my favorite Easter candy by far. And one time when I was like... I think I was 11. Mm-hmm. I ate, you know how they come in a pack of four? Yeah. I ate all four. Like, <laughs> throughout the night. Uh-huh. And then I was awake for the next 48 hours. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> no all... joke. Oh, my God. I just remember being awake in my room, being 11 years old. And I was, like, just reading and reading. And I was like, oh, my God. I've read this whole book. I'm going to go get another one. Oh, my God. It's 2 in the morning. I'm going to read it. I must have read, like, three or four books that night. Oh, my God. And was wide awake and jolly the whole time. Like They're super sweet. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was pure sugar. It was just pure <laughs> sugar rush. That's a good story. I've never eaten a four-pack since, FYI. <laughs> <laughs> a four-pack. No, don't do it, guys. Uh... Don't do it. It's stupid. So what's, what's in this Cadbury egg drink? Oh, this, okay. So these fucking drinks, guys. Oh, my God. So they look so cute. So yeah. they look like a Cadbury cream egg in a martini glass. So you put chocolate, you melt chocolate, you put it around the edges. So that was a nice pain in the ass to get us started. Yeah. And then you dye some sweetened condensed milk a little bit yellow so it looks like an egg yolk. You put that at the bottom of the glass. And then on top, you pour... Uh, it's vanilla vodka and that white chocolate Godiva liqueur, liqueur you know, mm-hmm. that always looks so amazing. Yeah. <sighs> oh, it tasted like garbage. It was not good. No. We ended no. up going back to our old standby of fucking taking shots of Irish cream. By farms, <laughs> Irish cream. By farms, we love you. If they ever shut down, I'm going to be devastated. <laughs> It's like the first thing I look for in the liquor store. Yeah. I just beeline it straight to where the five farms is. You just have to stock up. 
I know. Well, I was, I wasn't going to get a bottle of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Anyway, well, uh, anything else about the quarantine before we jump into our no, Easter the quarantine episode? Can fuck itself. <laughs> you love it. I do love it. I don't. I. It's like I'm sad that all these people are sick and dying, yeah. and that's terrible. And I certainly don't want to get sick, and I don't want any of my family to get sick. I want everyone to get better. Yeah. But I love being forced to stay home. Right. You're just a homebody. You I really am a are. homebody. It's like, and Joel's a homebody, and so he's been working from home, and it's been just delightful. Hope you're staying safe. Please stay home if you can and enjoy podcasts. Yes. Listen to us. Now is the time. Yeah. You can binge w- listen to all of our yeah. episodes. Just see all the creative ways that we've told survival stories. And all the different drinks we consumed. <laughs> all right. You all got right. a story to tell I us. I do. Caitlin. I do. So I didn't get like an Easter theme, but I did get something that happened in April. Oh, okay. Mine is sort of spring-themed, but not really... Like, easter I guess the weather is nice outside. That's the only thing springy you can say. It's very nice today. It is. God, it's been gorgeous. All right. This story is about Violet Jessup. Violet Jessup. So, Violet was 16 years old in 1903. Oh, snap. Okay. Yeah. I always like going back a little further. Yeah. So, she was born in Argentina to Irish parents. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So at the age of 16, her father just passed away from a complication from surgery. So she took care of her younger sister while her mother was at sea as a stewardess. Oh, shoot. Okay. So she's holding down the fort. Yes. So she's taking full reign. She's still going to school, though. Of course she is. Violet, you're amazing. But one day, Violet's mother fell ill, so Violet had to drop out of school, and she applied to be a stewardess like her mom to, you know, take care of the family. Okay, so her mom is now ill and can no longer work. Correct. So she's going to try to do what her mother did. Yes, to to take care care of of the the rest of the family. Okay. So Violet dressed down to make herself less attractive so she could get hired. Mm. I'm like, I feel that, girl. Oh, I feel that. (laughs) Uh, um, most women working on ships um, were middle-aged, and employers considered it being attractive and young a disadvantage at getting hired. Hmm, maybe because there's a lot of men working around there or yeah. some such, I don't, I don't know. But she got the job. And I've seen Les Miserables. I know what can happen to <laughs> young, attractive women who are trying to take care of their families. That's right. Good <laughs> reference. I was just listening to the soundtrack yesterday. My mom was like, what the fuck are you listening to? (laughs) As I'm like crying to I dreamed a dream or whatever the fuck that song is. It makes me cry every time. It's so sad. Sorry. My God, this is fucking all over the place. Um, So (laughs) she got the job. Yay. At the age of 21. She began a job as a stewardess on the Orinoco in 1908. And this was a royal mail line. What does that mean? So, uh, it's in mail. It's a mail line, you know. Oh, as in mail. post. Yeah, postage. M-A-I-L, not M-A-L-E, <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> I was like, is this a strip club on the high seas? <laughs> What's happening? Uh, it ran between England and the Caribbean. Okay, that makes sense. So, that's, yeah. Yeah, the post office over in Europe is called Royal Mail. I didn't know that. Oh, really? Yeah. So, as a stewardess, 
She got three marriage proposals, so her Dang. dressing down did not work. She was <laughs> still approached. She said no to each one. At the age of 24, so 1911, Violet began work for the White Star Vessel RMS Olympic. Okay. This was a luxury ship, which was the largest civilian liner at the time. Okay. On the voyage, the Olympic collided with the British warship HMS Hawk, which was a British warship to especially designed to ram into other ships and sink them. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, I'm assuming this was an accident. It was, yeah. <laughs> they were not being, you know, rammed by... No. No. Ships out in the ocean. Fucking pirates. <laughs> Luckily, there was no fatalities, and even with the damage, it did not sink and was able to make it back to ports. Oh, good. So, the collision flooded two of the water compartment, the watertight compartments, and warped the propeller shaft. Oh. Yeah. But they still made it into port. No one died. Cool. Less than <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Less than a year in 1912, April 10th, Violet is still 24 years old and gets a stewardess job on the RMS Titanic. Oh, what? <laughs> God damn it! I almost brought up the Titanic too. Really? Oh, I was like, oh, this is around the same time as the Titanic. That's right. <laughs> so the Olympic and the it, Titanic I'm... are sister ships. Oh, I fucking bet they are. <laughs> Several friends convinced her to transfer because they thought it would be a wonderful experience for her. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. So, business was normal, as usual, and four days later, later on April 14th, the Titanic struck an iceberg. I was like, and it fucking sank. <laughs> <laughs> so, she was brought up to the top, and they gave her a baby to take care of. And they told her to get on lifeboat 16. So she's just like, okay. So they, she just got, okay, so it struck the iceberg. They shoved a baby into her hands and said, she, go get on this lifeboat. Well, she was, uh, yeah, because she worked there. So she came up because she was ordered to come up and there was a baby. So the man, uh, a worker just gave her a baby, like, take care of this, get on this lifeboat. Okay. So she's like, okay. Do you think she saw a rose and what's his name up at the no. front doing no. the whole line thing? What is his you name? Trust Why me? can't I think of it? Leo's character. I don't remember. Who cares? I don't see that. I always just like Leonardo. Jack. Guy. Jack. Rose okay. and Jack up yeah. at the front. Jack. Jack. <laughs> Poor thing. Uh Sorry. It was so dramatic at the time. It I was. remember seeing that. I bet the you theaters. cried. Are you effing kidding me? Yeah, I fucking cried through the whole cut. I cried in the music video. I remember when it was first released, and there's a scene where the the two older people are like hugging, like mm -hmm. spooning on a bed as the Titanic is sinking. Oh right. Fucking <sighs> <laughs> waterworks. So Violet is now safe on a lifeboat. Rose. And no, I'm sorry. Violet, not Rose. And it wasn't until the morning when the uh, lifeboats got picked up by the RMS Carpathia. While on board, though, a woman walked up to Violet, snatched the baby, and ran away without saying a word. What? So Violet assumed that was the mom of the baby. <laughs> so. Hopefully a safe assumption. Hopefully. Yeah. She's like, okay. 
I mean, she survived it. And she went back to be a stewardess for the British Red Cross in 1916, four years later. Hang tight. So she has been essentially on two sinking ships at this point. Yeah. And she's like, fuck it. I'm still... Boats are my life. This yeah. is what I'm this doing. This is her life, yeah. All but right. it, was four, it was four years later that she got back, um, which the first time, I get it, okay? You, it didn't sh- it didn't sink, okay? Yeah. It was just like, oops, it was a mistake. But once it sunk and thousands of people died, I need to look up how many people died. 1,500. Out of? 705 yeah. lived okay. and 1,500 people died. Okay, so 1,500 people died. And she yes. was one of the 700 that survived. So, that's a big chunk of people that passed away. There was 492 passengers that lived and 214 crews. So, she was part of that. Her crew. 214. Nice. Wow. But I would, that would uh, scare me to going back on the boat because, I mean, the ship was said it was unsinkable. And within four days, it sunk. It's just. Yeah. No, yeah. it's. Such a heartbreak about the Titanic, just because there were so many things that could have been done. Yeah. You know, it was just a, I don't know, an accident of arrogance. I yeah. I mean, is maybe the only way was, I can think of it. Yeah. It was a bunch of things falling through the crack. Yeah, because if they, they hit didn't on straight on, it, it would have been fine. No, they did so, and there should have been more lifeboats, there should have been, I mean, That's there should right. have been all kinds of things that were different that mm-hmm. were not, because they just assumed it couldn't sink. Yeah. All right. So, again, four years later, she boarded the HMS Britannic, which is a white liner that had been converted into a hospital ship. So, this is also a sister ship. So, these are the three sisters of these ships. Oh, my God. Is there any other sisters that are wayward out there? It's just the three? It's just three sister ships that she's been on every single one of them. Did this motherfucker sink? So one Can day, we have a spoiler alert. Okay, well, tell me. One oh. one day, all of a sudden, there was an explosion. Oh, Violet. <laughs> and the Britannic sank. Within, of course it did. Within fifty five minutes. What? So she has been on three ships yeah. that went down. Yeah. I mean, I guess well, technically not... the first one didn't go down, right. but it's still the second two clearly did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So it killed 30 people out of 166 people on board. There was a hypothesis that it was either struck by a torpedo or it was hit by a mine. In the 2016 documentary, The Mystery of the Britannic, they did a diving expedition which determined the ship was struck by a deep sea mine. Oh. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. That's no good. So when the explosion happened... Violet had to jump off the boat. Oh, my God. She's like, don't worry, guys. I've lived through this before. Let me, I'll just tell you everything you need to know about being on a sinking ship. Yeah. But once she was in the water, she was able to get into a lifeboat, but was almost killed by the boat's propellers that were sucking lifeboats under the stern. (gasps) Oh, that's terrifying. It is terrifying. So Violet had to jump out of the lifeboat, but when she did... She suffered a traumatic head injury, hitting the piece of the propeller. <gasps> oh, God. She was able to survive this head injury. Oh, my gosh. And she actually came back to the White Star Line in 1920. And then she joined the Red Star Line and then back to the Royal Mail Line. Do you think any of her employers were, like, just perusing her resume and thinking, <laughs> she's been 
been on a lot of sunk ships. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's not the best luck. I don't know. All those men who are like, women are bad luck on board are being like, mm-hmm, we told you. That's true. That is a thing, huh? Uh-huh. Women are... <laughs> I know it's a huge thing. It's a pirate thing, isn't it? I know in Japan it's a huge thing. Oh, really? Like women are and girls are not allowed. I don't know if this is the case anymore, but back in the day, Uh like not pretty much if like someone was found playing, like a girl was found playing in a boat, like Uh they would burn it or (gasps) they would bleach it or they would. Oh my gosh. I mean, and it was just considered bad luck from then on out. That's interesting. Well, in this case, it's kind of true. Sorry. Sorry, Violet. Um, so she got married in her 30s, but it was brief. <laughs> That's all it said. Round? No. <laughs> no, I think they got divorced. I mean, oh. I don't think it was anything. She it was did, not love meant to be. Yeah. She did travel the world twice in her lifetime. In the 1950s, uh, in 1950, she retired to Great Ashfield in Suffolk. Right? Yeah. Suffolk? Suffolk? Sure. Sure. Well done. Thank you. Is that in England? Uh, she did. Uh, she did live in England um, when she was young. Nice. It is in England. You're right. Is it? Wow. Good job. Nailed yeah. It. So, so she. Uh, so her family moved to England when she when her father died. Mm, okay. So I guess she just went back there when she retired. So a few years after she retired, Violet says that she received a call asking if she remembered re- rescuing a baby. <gasps> What? And she said yes, and the voice said that was me. Laughed and then hung up. What? And people say it was just a kids playing prank, but Violet swore that she never told anyone about this story. Now records from the Titanic that the only baby on lifeboat sixteen was Asad Thomas, who was handed to Edwina Trout. Huh. So, there's no records of this baby, but Violet says she was taking care of a baby and... Until it got snatched away from her. It got snatched away, and then years after she retired in her 50, I mean, in 1950, uh, she got a call saying it was the... uh, That's so weird. It's random. Yeah. I bet it is the baby. Right. Well, I don't know. Why wouldn't they talk more? Yeah, why wouldn't they... Instead of, I'm that baby, ha! And then... (laughs) Especially when you do it like that. (laughs) Right? Anyways, so Violet was often referred to as Miss Unsinkable. Yeah. (laughs) Everything sinks around her, but not her. Yeah. Good job. (laughs) You can't sink her. (laughs) Um, She died of congestive heart failure in 1971 at the age of 81. All right. So she lived a nice full life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She traveled the world. She was on all the sister ships that got... <laughs> she took them know. all down. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I don't mean that, Violet. I'm sure it wasn't your fault. Just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> no, could you imagine, like, oh, shit, it's happening again. I, yeah, like, after the second time, I would I would have probably stopped. I Especially after Titanic. Yeah, I'd probably be like, you know what? Ships aren't for me. Yeah. That's not my gig anymore. No. But not her. Not Violet. But she was in that line for a lot of years and only three times in these songs. So. <laughs> only three times? Good God. It's like only being in three plane crashes. But they were all sister ships. So maybe there was a correlation oh. between, like, how they were built. Some engineering problems. Yeah, something, uh, something. 
interesting. It is really interesting. I am so intrigued by the Titanic. I went to, like, the museum they had. It's just very interesting. Yeah. Well, they tried to raise it back when they were making the movie. Did you hear about that? Uh Uh-uh. No, James Cameron. Hopefully I'm remembering this correctly and not in my fucking... Yeah, we'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) No, um... He tried to have it raised, and so they got it part way up, and then it fell again. Oh, and so they ended up leaving it there. And I know not they to uh, they got a lot of items from the ship. Yeah, there was a ton of artifacts that were like even still in fantastic condition and things. I watched them. I think they found some books and things. Oh God, it's been so long because, of course, when the movie came out. There was all kinds of stuff about the Titanic on right. TV, like, all the time. Yeah. Um, and I just remember watching all these, all this footage of them, you know, taking cameras down while they were diving and things and just looking at the different items. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like one was, like, looking through a book and you could still read really? all the pages and everything because it had been Close. sealed. Right. And, yeah. And so. Interesting. It's fascinating. Who knows what is fucking on the bottom of the sea? I've been, again, watching a lot of Ancient Aliens. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So who knows about life itself? Yeah, probably the aliens came and, you know, we're like, It wasn't an iceberg? It was... Yeah, it wasn't an iceberg all along. No, I do think that was an iceberg. Yeah. (laughs) I think it was aliens. No. Well, yeah, so that was my April story. Good job. Thank you. Well, my uh, story as I said, is really just takes place in the sunshine. I love it. So that's why it's spring story for me, if you will. So um, let me just start off this story by telling you it's a little bit barftastic. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a little hard to to hear and visualize. Okay, great. So So there's your warning, listeners. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Be prepared for what's to come. All right. All right. So this story is about... Xavier Cunningham. Ooh, and fancy name. He is ten years old. Aww. And this is uh, it's either September eleventh or September twelfth, two thousand eighteen. It matters. I'm just kidding. Damn. <laughs> September eleventh. I'm pretty sure it's September eleventh. Um, I know. Coincidence? I don't know. Probably. We'll find out. <laughs> All right. So this story takes place in Western Missouri. Okay. And so Xavier, also known as Bear. Um, when was I'm sorry. What year is this? 2018. Oh, so it's this pretty is recent. recent. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's just a couple years ago. Uh, so Xavier uh, was playing in the backyard with his two friends, uh, Silas and Gavin. Cute. And they found a rod in the backyard, um, and they were taking turns throwing it as far as they could. So this rod was essentially like a skewer that you use to for like a rotisserie chicken. Oh, so okay. it was pointed like an arrow on one end. So it had sort of a sharp end on one end. And okay. then it had like these four prongs on the other end where I'm okay. assuming it would sort of click into the barbecue and you could turn right. it. So, no, they were throwing it to see how far they could see who could throw it the furthest. Okay. And so they were playing and playing and then they kind of got bored with that. So they went over to the neighbor's house to go play in the tree fort. Okay. And so they stuck the skewer in the ground and they climbed up the tree fort. And pretty much as soon as they got up there, they discovered a giant wasp's (gasps) nest. Oh, no. So that was up in the tree, Uh like kind of behind. So they couldn't quite see it until they started getting stung. (gasps) 
And so they're getting like all these wasps or yellow jackets, I'm not sure which, were stinging them. And so they were trying to get away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xavier starts going down the, the rope ladder or whatever, the ladder from the tree fort. And he has a wasp land on his left hand and he swats it with okay. his right hand and loses his balance <gasps> and falls face down. Oh my gosh. And so he feels a sting just below his left eye and was like, oh my God, did I get stung again? And he stands up and realizes he had in fact not been stung, but that skewer <gasps> that they were playing with is now embedded six inches oh into his fucking just below his eyeball so it went in his like inside his what is this called your eye socket uh-huh and into his brain <gasps> and so so wait it was the four prongs sticking up or was the pointy end the sticking, pointy end was sticking was, up so the prongs were down in the ground oh my god, caked gosh. in mud because that mud keeps coming back throughout the story <laughs> And so he runs home screaming. Yeah. <laughs> I so bet. Oh, it's like, ah! I can't even, I can't even fucking imagine. No. And he didn't, I mean, like I said, he didn't even fully comprehend what was going on. Like the bee stings were more concerning. Uh-huh. The waspings were causing oh. more pain than the thing in his face was. Really? Just adrenaline, I'm guessing? Uh, probably. Yeah. And just, you know. Maybe just being a kid and right. ah, going being crazy. He runs home and his mom hears him. She's upstairs folding laundry and was like, oh my God, when is this boy going to grow out? <laughs> yeah. Screaming all the time. Because I guess this was kind of a thing with him is he was very fussy about getting injured. So like small oh. injuries would set him off into like screaming fits. Oh. So like for instance, I think a dog jumped up on him and he like lost his shit and was screaming. Mm. And so his mom was like, oh, my God. So she goes downstairs and then she was like, who shot you? Because she thought he had been shot uh-huh. with an arrow like directly. Oh. So he's there at the bottom of the stairs. She's like, what the fuck is going on? And all it is is, like, this giant skewer sticking out of his eyeball, essentially, and then just one, like, little trickle of blood going down, and he was complaining about his hand more than he was complaining where the bee or the wasp had stung it. Could he still see through that eye? Yeah, I think so. Like, because he could see it. Right. And so... Ew. So I'm assuming, well, it could have been the other eye, but it was just below the eye. So right. it didn't actually puncture the right. eye. Thank just God. Right underneath the socket. I know, okay. as if this isn't barbtastic enough. <laughs> so Xavier's mom uh, yelled that, you know, I'm taking Bear to the hospital. So her oldest daughter kind of took care of the other kids and they rushed off to the hospital. What are mom's worst nightmare? <laughs> what? Seriously, are you kidding me? <laughs> Oh, my God. And the neighbor, I guess, who saw them rushing away was like, that boy is never coming home. (gasps) I mean, it looked really bad. So at the emergency room, they gave him painkillers and sent him in for x-rays. Okay. And they they could see that it didn't hit his spine. But they couldn't tell what kind of tissue damage had been done. But because you, you can't see that in the x-ray, I okay. guess. In the x-ray, the skewer just showed up as like this very vivid white. And so huh. you couldn't see any of the details of the skewer. And so they felt like they needed to know more about the skewer before they could even attempt to extract it. 
Okay. Because what they were scared of is that it might be bent a little bit or there might be like a small little gap in the metal. Mm -hmm. And so if they pulled it out, it could just rip an artery or something. Oh, wow. And so, I mean, because there's all kinds of arteries going through. And they didn't want to cause him to have a stroke or die, of course. So they decided that they needed to get a better picture of it. They pack him up and get ready for this transfer. So now they have to make sure his head doesn't move because they don't want the skewer moving at all to do any brain damage. Uh They put a collar around him and then they wrapped... So it was like a plastic collar, and then they wrapped everything around with gauze, including the skewer, so it, like, wouldn't move. Okay. And so the only thing you could see was this muddy skewer sticking out and his mouth. Like, that was it. And then they took him five miles down the road to the hospital that has the better equipment. Oh, okay. So So luckily it was a hospital close, another hospital. Another, yeah. So he goes in. For a CT scan so they can take a closer look at everything. And so what this does is it shows them all of the major blood vessels and everything. And what they could see is this fucking skewer barely hit all the major or barely missed all the major arteries. (gasps) In fact, just one of the arteries was like bent a little bit around it because oh. it come, it had come so close right. to hitting it. And any one of those would have just pretty much caused them to bleed out. That's crazy. Almost immediately. Oh, and what I forgot to mention is he had a bump on the back of his neck uh-huh. where the pointy end had not <gasps> broken through the skin. Oh! So, <laughs> you know, as if it wasn't gross enough. So it went, it went in and didn't make it out the other end, but there was a bump there. Oh, I know. Gross. So they got the CT scan. Yeah. But they decided that that was not detailed enough. They couldn't get a detailed picture of the actual skewer. Right. And again, because it was bent or because they were afraid it was bent or whatever, they decided they needed an even more advanced scan. Okay. So now we're on to scan number three. Oh, wow. So they call up this doctor. It is Dr. Ebersole. Okay. You have to Kobe Everskull. So you have to forgive me if I said that completely wrong. They call him at 7.30 p.m. and he's playing tennis. And they told him the whole situation. And because of how this scan works, you need like 15 to 20 people in the okay. room to even do the scan. Okay. So I don't know why all that uh-huh. is. But essentially it was... Too many people to gather so late in the evening. Right. So they're like, can he survive another day and can this wait until morning? And they're like, yeah, he can wait until morning. <laughs> He'll be fine. Great. So poor mom is charged with watching him all night. And <gasps> what? Because what they're scared of is he will wake up and try to pull it out. Or try to pull it out when he was unconscious or, you know, and so that's what they're scared of is they can't just yank it out because God knows what's going to happen. So they end up making it through the night. Freaking, I guess it was like the worst night of Gabrielle's life. I I bet, (laughs) yeah. But Xavier knew that he needed to not pull it out because he had seen, uh, what is it? Why can't I think of the Black Panther, the movie? The brother, like, pulls out a spear that had right. been, and he dies right. immediately. Yeah. So, spoiler alert, 
I guess I should have yeah, said that gosh, first. Yeah, gosh, Michelle. I know, why did I just tell the end of Black Panther, even though I can't even remember the name of the goddamn movie? Anyway, you're welcome. I didn't give any, there's names in here, but I didn't say any of those. Okay. Mainly because they're hard. Okay. So they make it to the next morning, and the first thing he did when he woke up was like, is it out yet? Not good. That's still in there. Right. So now they're debating how to get it out. So they end up going through with the scan and they see that the skewer is in pretty well intact and they just need to pull it out, but they need to be like super careful with it. While they're videoing it and everything, they decide to start. So first they debated like whether they should cut open his neck in the back where that bump was uh-huh. and pull it out enough to cut the knot, the tip off. Because I, I guess it's kind of like an arrow, so it okay, sort of yeah. is notched a little bit, uh-huh. and they're afraid that notch is just going to rip Ripping. out arteries okay. as it goes. But they end up not doing that. So the rod was made of thick stainless steel and would take a lot of force to break it off, and they were afraid that the movement of breaking off that tip was would kill them anyway. They started to decide to pull it out. Ugh. They have one guy kind of filming the whole thing uh-huh. and then another guy who is responsible for pulling it. Why are they filming it? For liability I, it's, reasons? No, they're filming it. So it, well, why I say filming, I shouldn't say that. It's more, it's that scan. So they can see inside oh, and so they're I see. washing it as it's getting pulled I get out. It. Okay. They could see the one in a million trajectory the skewer had taken. It had missed his spine by about a, by about a half an inch and it missed the cerebellum, the part of the brain that controls things such as balance and speech by the same margin. It had punctured the carotid sheath but didn't appear to have damaged the <laughs> hypoglossal nerve or the vagus nerve which control the tongue function, swallow reflex, and the voice box. Wow. So it went kind of in at a downward angle, okay. I guess you could say. The skewer had torn the jugular, but it had appeared to have sealed itself. The skewer had missed his facial nerve, which controls all your facial expressions and your sense of taste. Wow. Which I didn't know. Most important, it had missed both the crucial arteries, the carotid and the vertebral. I apologize. Sure. Oh, my God. In fact, it had nudged them away without actually punching puncturing them so it moved them oh so they were sort of bent around the skewer so they started to pull it out and they got it out less than an inch and they're like we think it's stuck on something (gasps) and so it turns out it was stuck on some of the tendons in his neck oh (laughs) no this is so barbtastic the whole thing okay so they ended up uh sort of angling it a little away from the guy and then which got it out of the tendons of the neck and he was able to sort of pull it out a little bit more they were able to get it mostly out and then it where it had sealed itself around his jugular they had to sort of yank it (laughs) and so and then they got around the um, carotid artery And once they got around that, then it was kind of all safe and they were able to actually get the skewer completely out. Okay. At 3 p.m. the following day, uh, they came into the waiting room and told Xavier's parents that it's out. He's okay. 
And Gabrielle gave the doctor a big old hug. Aww. And so the only physical evidence of Xavier's unplanned adventure yeah. is a tiny bump besides his nose and some numbness on the left side of his face. So now when he gets, you know, scraped by the dog or have anything, you know, she, the mom asks how bad it is. And he's like, well, it's not a skewer in the face. That's and then they laugh. That's and all cute well. yet sad. <laughs> no, it was... Fucking crazy. There's a picture of it. Is there? Yeah. That's so sad. That's so lucky, actually. It is super lucky. Especially when it yeah, goes through a face. Yeah, here it is. <gasps> like, just going straight through. Whoa. So it went in through his eye all the way to the back of his neck. And he had no injuries. Oh, I guess the, the place wasn't that tall. No, it looks like it's, what, maybe seven feet, eight yeah. feet off the ground. Oh, there he is afterwards. Oh, yes, it's a little band-aid. That's so cute. Oh my god. What a weird thing to live through. Especially so young. How old was he? Ten. Ten. Oh my god. Yeah. Traumatic. Well, and he just sort of kept it together and wasn't freaked out. And so, good job. Well, it's weird that that was less painful than some stings on the hand. Well, I've been stung by bees, so yeah. I fucking get it. Did I, t- I think I told you about the time that I got stung a shit ton of times. Yeah, you walked <laughs> calmly away, <laughs> I which I would be running. No, so the our hives, our beehives had blown over in the wind, and I went out in my pajamas. I was wearing fucking <laughs> Christmas leggings, <laughs> like a sweater or something, to just go investigate, and I lifted up the one of the hives because you thought they were dead yeah i was like i don't see a single bee they're fucking all dead yeah so i started to lift it up and realized how heavy it is because it's a brood box full of honey which i mean they weigh like 80 to 100 pounds and so i just sort of gently put it back down on the ground Mm -hmm. i mean i only got it up like three inches yeah and that was enough movement to get the bees excited and awake and swarming me so all of a sudden, I have all these bees all over me. So I just walk very calmly with my arms, yeah. like, way out. Uh-huh. So I didn't, like, smash any of them and walk very calmly away as they're just fucking stinging uh. away. They were all stuck in my snowman PJs. And, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I must have had, I think we counted them afterwards. It was, like, 34 <gasps> stings, I think. You're so lucky. Uh, that could kill someone. No, fortunately, I'm not allergic. I was hoping to get superpowers. Did I get superpowers? <laughs> no. None. None. None indeed. The bees don't even like me more. <laughs> there's like... that bitch that came. Yeah. No, I guess as soon as they can smell, there's a pheromone that gets released. As soon as they sting, mm-hmm. which it's, excites all the other bees around them and oh. wants them to get them to sting. Wow. So once one goes, you've got to just walk away. Yeah, yeah. but calmly. Because if you freak out, they sting more? Yeah. Once you start swatting them, then yeah. everything gets crazy. Oh. So. Yeah, that was the most things I've ever had. That's ever. a lot. And I was, I remember Joel came home from work because he's like, I don't know if you're going to die or not. Right, yeah. I just, I got, I'm like kind of allergic, but not anaphylactic. Right. Allergic. So you just swelled no, up. I just swelled up big time. Were you working for me at the time? Yeah, I was off. Um, I was at, I had vacation. Of course you had vacation. <laughs> <sighs> God damn it, Keelan. I said every time I leave. Fucking, Something fucking happens. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know I haven't been you at work. <laughs> I had the worst week of my life without you there. Kayla. I know it's been weird working from home. That was a good spring, I guess. <laughs> good story. It was sunny. That's all I can really. 
No, I found this story, like, I don't know, a month and a half ago. Oh, really? I was like, yes. yeah, I'm going to tell this one when it gets a little nicer out. Yeah. No, it's good. Well, uh, I think we're waiting on Patreon for a little bit since everyone's quarantined. <laughs> we don't want to take all your day. money when you're broke. We'll see. Maybe we're one broke. day. I know. You're It'll wrong. happen. It will happen. So, tell your friends. <laughs> oh, God. I was so enthusiastic. That didn't make me want to kill myself at all. Tell uh, your friends. Tell your friends. Uh. Oh, dear. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we hope you enjoy this podcast. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, <laughs> And we hope that you're staying home and staying safe and sane. And, yeah, uh, safe and well. Safe and well. All right. Well, if you <laughs> enjoyed this episode, uh, please check us out on Facebook and Instagram at I Should Totally Be Dead Right Now. And... We hope you had a happy Easter. We hope yeah. you did not eat four Cadbury cream eggs, which means you're still awake from then. <laughs> um, yeah. And maybe didn't try the Cadbury cream egg. Drink. Drink. But it's a cute photo, so check it out. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll see you next time, and have a good day. My God. I don't know. Caitlin. <laughs> good Lord. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm stopping it. <laughs> I'm stopping it right now.